Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal Managing Editor Ed Arnold welcomes one of the city's most influential and inspiring nonprofit leaders. Asia Sheravino, President and CEO of SA Youth. Asia, thanks so much for joining with me today here on the uh, Texas Business Minds podcast. We want to take a few minutes to chat a little bit about your background. So why don't you tell us all, you know, where you came from and what you're doing now? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate this opportunity. So my story begins as a child in Montessori school who decided that she wanted to create a um, theater program at the age of probably three or four when I first got into elementary school. And so built a theater program for kids where they could come and create and workshop shows and do incredible work throughout the week. We would start writing a play on Monday and then workshop it all week and then produce on Fridays as little elementary students. The reason that I start there is I think that my whole life has really been kind of organized around bringing people together, telling stories, helping the voiceless have a voice and find a voice. But from a very early age, I was a super creative kid. And what I found growing up kind of through the business world, nonprofit and and such, is that at first people didn't value what I came to the table with because, you know, a lot of people blow off artists, frankly, in the business world. Mm -hmm. But then I realized as I got older, how much those skills really apply to running a team, motivating a team, going towards a vision, a mission, all of that. So I'm really just a theater nerd kid that grew up in those ranks, did a lot of stage work, a lot of television, uh, a lot of voiceovers, and stumbled upon the nonprofit sector actually as a way to make money to go up and work um, professionally in Chicago and just fell in love with working on the ground and creating change for people in the community. And that started on the east side of San Antonio at a little community center called the Barbara Jordan Community Center. So that's in a nutshell, kind of my story. That's wonderful. You know, that resonates a lot with me as well. I was definitely a theater nerd growing up as well. And, And I have found that in management and in leadership positions and in all sorts of business interactions, my ability to stand in front of a crowd of people or a group of people and not be nervous too, well, not too much, I guess I should say, but be able to use some of those old theater skills that I had. The funny part of it for me is that I can't tell you the number of executives that I've met that in the back of my head that I thought could use an improv class. Oh Um, my gosh. Like every (laughs) single one of them. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm like, do you need some improv? How about some improv, buddy? How about a little bit of that? We need to teach you some yes anding skills. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. You're a man after my own heart, for sure. Very, very good. So tell me about your first nonprofit experience. You were saying it kind of came to you as a way for you to keep theater going, but what was that first experience like? The first experience really began, I wanted to attempt to make the money. So I went to a temp agency and I tell this story to all of the people that I mentor, all of the young women, because I think it's a really important story. I went into this temp agency and, you know, back in the, I don't know, 90s, we'll say like then, it was a different time where you went into an office and took all these crazy tests, right? You did like computer literacy and blah, 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 and filing and alphabetizing. And after two hours of these tests, this woman came in and she looked kind of somber. 
to give me the results of all my testing, to tell me where I could place, you know, to get a job. And she looks at me and she goes, Asia, I have some bad news for you. You failed every test but alphabetizing. And I was like, okay. She goes, so I don't know where to put you. Like, what can you do? You can't really do computer stuff. You can't do this stuff. You can't do that stuff. And I said, I'm an actor. I can do anything. Just put me someplace. I'll work hard. I'll figure it out. And she's like, have you ever done data entry? And I'm like, yes, yes, I have. I had never even heard of data entry. She goes, okay, there's this place on the east side of San Antonio. They need people to go and fill out the forms because in that time they did paper forms for inner city games, this nonprofit organization. The families would fill these forms out so that their kids could do summer programming to keep them off the streets all summer. And what we had to do is take the paper and put it into a database, right? And so I said, yes, I can do it, I promise. And she said, Asia, if you get fired, that's on me, like that's a problem. So you need to be really successful in this job if I place you there, like you have to be able to do it. I said, I can do it, I promise I can do it. So I went in the first day, I was so nervous, I thought I was gonna throw up. I was like, you know, 21 or 22. And I looked at the person next to me and I watched them, how they did it. And I was like, hey, I can do that. And so I started and I just copied the person next to me and figured it out. And, you know, within two months, I was on the phone. I was, you know, smoking and joking with everyone. I was making appointments. I was like secretarying it up. And they hired me to be a secretary. And I was like, I love this work. I love being around people. I love working with young people. Because then I also got to go and see the programming on the ground with all the kids. They were happy. They were content. They had a voice. So the long and the short of it is this experience in the nonprofit sector I really learned that I could do anything if you work really, really hard. You don't have to be, you know, an academic to go into a setting like that and figure it out and be adaptable. Um, And I think that's very much from my theater upbringing and, you know, my arts education background. And then going into this job, what I loved about it was that they gave me an opportunity to grow. So after three months of being this, you know, hotshot secretary, I went into my boss's (laughs) office and Beverly Watts Davis, I will never forget her. And I see her all around town and I love her so much. (laughs) And I sat down and I sat at her desk and I sat directly across from her and I said, Beverly, I am not a secretary. And she was like, okay, Asia, so what are you? (laughs) And I was like, I can do something more than be a secretary. And she was like, well, have you ever done PR and marketing? And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes, right, I exactly. have. <laughs> yes, I can do that. And she was yes, like, okay, well, yes, and, and this <laughs> is how I'm going to do it. And so she said, well, you know, this marketing and PR position is open for inner city games. It's the manager of that area. Do you think you do that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So like within a week, I was on a plane to LA working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and his organization because that was his pet project. And I was like advancing him and working with media and writing press releases. And I was like, this is it, dude. This is <laughs> this is what I want to do. It was right. so fun. And I right. learned just trial by fire. And to have that kind of, you know, flexibility and adaptability is really accredited to all the work that I've done as an actor and um, being around people and loving people and just being like, yeah, let's do it. We'll figure it out. And you know what? I failed a ton, but that's, <laughs> that's not what it's about. It's about going forward, moving and doing something that you're scared of. And I was scared to death. <laughs> I bet you were, but I, I, it, <laughs> but I also could feel the energy. I mean, I can still feel the energy from your voice when you talk about that and how exciting it was and how, you know, how much it really did get into your heart. And I can still feel it, which is a wonderful testament to, to your passion for the work. Was that Absolutely. the first time that you were sort of working 
I know you you may you may have done some portion of it, but is the first time you're really working with kids, or had you had a background in that otherwise? I always was the babysitter. I was the nanny. You know, people would bring me on trips to be their nanny. So I always loved kids. I'm the oldest of three. I took care of my brother and sister. So I love children. But being able to see kids in this environment, especially underprivileged kids that didn't have as much as other kids that I knew, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to see them do things that made them feel like they were valuable and made them feel like they had a voice and they mattered. I was like, dude, this is my life. This is what I want to devote my whole life to is not only building kids and allowing them to be the best self they can possibly be, but that's like what my life's mission is now. So right. it's it's such a it was such a huge epiphany for me to see how theater could bring me into the nonprofit sector and how much I loved being around and seeing change happen on the ground like that. Absolutely, and I can speak in my own uh, personal life. And my wife is a first grade teacher and has been a first grade teacher for fifteen years. And every year that she has been a teacher. It has gotten a little bit harder than the year before, you know, that oh, the, yeah. the more demands on teachers, but there is a, there is a passion and a joy that comes from watching children grasp a learning subject or find something that fascinates them or, or seeing them grow. That is not really, you can't really replicate it in any other, in any other way that you really the, can't. Yeah. That the joy of seeing a kid, you know, find a passion or find something or, or just learn a new skill that they didn't think they could do before. There's just nothing quite like it. You, you can't replace it with anything. So I have, um, I do my very best to be as supportive as I can of my wife's regular 12 hour work days. Uh, yeah. Because, your wife is a hero. Honestly, <laughs> she is. She's amazing. <laughs> she, she is, uh, yeah, she, I, the joke is that she works harder at uh, teaching every day than I've worked at every, anything I've ever done, including like learning to walk, <laughs> learning to read. <laughs> she, exactly. She, she really, she really puts it in and teachers all overdo it. My, you know, my respect for people that work uh, with children, disadvantaged children, children with disabilities, you know, that was been a part of our family structure for my whole life. That brings me to SA Youth. If you would, for folks that aren't familiar, help them understand what SA Youth does and, and how it came to be. Absolutely. So SA Youth was founded 37 years ago in a little teeny church downtown in San Antonio. What this founder realized is that there was no place for children to go after school. And so, you know, they had young people, teenagers, even as little as eight, nine wandering around downtown because their parents just, you know, they were latchkey kids. They didn't have any programs to kind of keep them occupied. And so SA Youth was really born out of that desire to give children a place, a safe place to be after school. And of course, that's grown into an immense program that is today, you know, serving over a thousand kids across the city of San Antonio in 14 different schools. So SA Youth's purpose is to break the cycle of poverty through providing resources that children can be successful. So giving them that ability after school, the three to six time period is the most dangerous time period for kids, period. That's when juvenile delinquency heightens, you know, drug stuff heightens, gang, all of that violence, it all happens between those hours, especially because a lot of our children's parents are not home at that time period. So SA Youth is there on the ground. Once kids get out of their classes, they're actually brought into our programming. So we exist inside the school so that they don't have to go anywhere. They can be right there with our programs and our, our people. And what our people do is help them with their homework. We do tutoring opportunities one-on-one. -on -one. We work a lot with reading and math. 
those are the areas that we really focus on. Because as you know, if you can't read to comprehend by about third or fourth grade, you're really in trouble. And um, all the statistics show that if you are not in a space that you're reading to comprehend and really learn by third grade, you're more likely to drop out of high school. And so our beginning program is our academic achievers, and that's from five to all the way up to 12 year olds. So we're in elementary and middle schools for the out of school time programming. And then we also, on the other end, this is kind of an answer if this doesn't work, right? So we've got preventative on front end and on the back end, we're doing dropout recovery. So we're working with kids that are 16 to 24 year olds all across San Antonio and Bear County that have dropped out of school and don't really fit in the traditional system. So what our program does is provide them a place. So we're on the west side of San Antonio and the kids can come in, they come in every day and we do kind of the learning pace. It's one-on-one really, they set the pace of how they wanna learn as high schoolers. And then in the afternoon is all leadership development, job training, placement, all of that that happens. Um, So our people really create kind of a life plan for each of these students alongside them. Of course, they're driving all of that, but Mm -hmm. we have a much more hands-on approach to high school and then completing their high school diploma and then helping them try to figure out kind of what those next steps are and how they can be active in the community and kind of plug in because so many of these kids, they're called opportunity youth now, the 16 to 24 year olds that are not in school and they're not working. So you know what they're doing (laughs) if they're not in school and they're not working. Right, exactly, Um, exactly. And in San Antonio, before COVID, we had approximately 35,000 of this population. And now post COVID or during COVID, whatever you wanna say now, because I feel like COVID is never ending. Uh, We have about 75,000 of those young people across San Antonio. So it's an issue. SA Youth President and CEO Asia Sheravino joining us. In our next segment, she shares the impact of the pandemic on San Antonio's youth. When Texas Business Minds continues. This summer, Texas Mutual Insurance Company sent $330 million in dividends to policyholders across the state. It's our way of rewarding resilient businesses who never wavered in their commitment to working safe. More at TexasMutual.com. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as SA Youth President and CEO Asia Sheravino joins San Antonio Business Journal Managing Editor Ed Arnold. We've seen, as we were talking about just a minute ago, my wife's class of first grader, many of the children who were in her class last year did not have a kindergarten, you know, because they were learning remotely or, you know, or they had a spotty version of kindergarten, if that makes sense. They did not have a normal kindergarten. No one had a normal school year last year, but I think we all know that getting kids off to the right foot in the the elementary school years is really important. Now, a lot of kids, kids of all demographics and needs, lost a lot of a year last year, much less children that were in danger and in need. Obviously, within just the raw number of, of children vastly increasing for you all, what other sort of demands have come on you in this period as we're trying to start another school year? Our students started with a lot of obstacles. So overlaying COVID on top of kind of the obstacles that they already have has just been an avalanche for our young people. Really, we're seeing students that are a full grade behind where they've ever been. And so that puts them in risk of failing uh, because of COVID. 
the slide. We don't call it the slide. We definitely call it the avalanche. I mean, we have mental health issues. Our families are not working. We have um, moms and dads in chaos. They're trying to figure out their life. Uh, During COVID, we had to completely shift to being a full service organization for the family to support that family unit. So our teams every week would be delivering um, basically learning packs to every single one of our students. So we'd go to their homes and really see what was going on in their homes. And we were able to work with their parents, you know, sit in their driveway, you know, of course, six feet apart with masks and try to help walk a mom or dad through applying for jobs. I mean, we did everything from soup to nuts to try to make sure that we could keep the family unit safe. Because what we're seeing, as you know, is that if they don't have the basic needs met, they can't even be in a space to learn. And so we've got the COVID slide in terms of grades. We've got mental health issues piling up. So the basic needs were something that we we really wanted to address and make sure that they had them so that they could even have a chance of being able to learn in school at all. So it's devastating, honestly, to watch our kids right now and to see them struggle because they were already struggling before. So we're just on the ground uh, making sure that we're positive. We're, you know, bringing them as much resources in terms of school supplies, backpacks, shoes. I mean, we're really talking the basic needs right now to keep them afloat. And indeed, that's one of the things that I think is important for us to mention here that the corporate partnerships that SA Youth has developed over the over many years are what helps keep this program going. And while there's oh, been a lot of gosh. attention, there's been a lot of attention to to other nonprofit needs. I think it's very important that business leaders appreciate how important it is for them to not just double down on those local nonprofit community efforts, but to make them a real focus going forward. Because in the end, it will pay dividends for the whole community. Ed, I love you for saying that. Thank you. And I so appreciate it. It's so true. What business leaders don't understand right now is that nonprofits are at the worst point we've ever been. I had to cut a million dollars out of our budget last year. We're serving double the amount of people we have. Everybody is under immense strain to keep these services going and keep providing for the abundance that we have in the marketplace right now when it comes to need. It's massive. And I have a feeling that what people don't understand is what's going to happen to all these kids and people in the next couple of years. So we thought COVID was bad. We thought that this time has been really stressful. But when I'm looking, you know, with my nonprofit crystal ball into the future, I really see the hardest times are ahead for our young people just in trying to recover, trying to catch up, trying to understand what's happened and deal with all the trauma that is COVID. And I'm glad you used that word because I was going to if you did. But I think it's really important that people appreciate how traumatic the period has been, even for children who had resources, you know, even for children who were who were from, you know, even affluent, wealthy backgrounds. This has still been a traumatic period for children and particularly those of us who are the most vulnerable. It has been an even more harrowing experience and that, and that we're going to be dealing with the effects of that trauma for many years. And, and the, the nonprofit community is really our first line response to that kind of trauma. You know, I just want to take a second as the host of the program to just encourage everyone who's listening to get involved in a nonprofit or a charitable organization in their community, whether it be SA Youth or whatever it is in your neighborhood, because there is an incredible amount of, of traumatic damage out there, not just for 
you know, not just for children in need, but for all the children that have had to go through this last nearly two years now of this. And and uh, SA Youth is a wonderful program that we at the Business Journal just couldn't endorse more and couldn't encourage our listenership and readership to support more. It's very important. And we, we wanted to make sure to highlight that in the interview as Thank best you. as we could. We'll turn the page a little bit, just a, a touch, because uh, next week, the San Antonio Business Journal is having our annual Women's Leadership Awards. And as you were so kind to serve as our keynote speaker next week. And obviously, we're excited to have a theater person who really knows what to do on stage come up on stage and, and make us look silly. But, um, <clears throat> but, you know, I wanted to turn the page just a little bit and talk to you about being a woman leader in the nonprofit community and what that experience has been like. And one of the questions that we asked our Women's Leadership Awards honorees this year was what piece of advice they would go back and give a younger version of themselves. What would they go give 18-year-old Asia? What advice would you give 18 to 20-year-old Asia? Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give her about you know becoming a leader and becoming an executive the way you have? I think that I would say lean into your strengths. I didn't understand how powerful the strengths that I have are and were at that time. And they were kind of diminished by people that were business people saying that being an actor wasn't valuable, that what we learned wasn't as valuable as, you know, spreadsheets and PLs. And I wish that I would have had the courage to say, you know, I can do a lot of things. Like I'm I <laughs> I I'm good at working with people. I'm great at motivating people and, and helping people see what, what's good in them. What, what's so ironic is I was always that person and I never did it for myself. So I think I would go back and, and say, lean into your strengths and who you are as a unique human. I never thought that being a quirky, kind of unusual person was going to work in the business world. And at some point, you know, in your career, you just embrace who you are and say, you know, this is me and you like it or you don't, you know, whatever. And I'm not a normal businesswoman by any means. And I don't play the part of kind of that, not conservative in a political way, but like, I'm just not, I, I dress how I want to dress. I'm, I express how I want to express. And I would say that to me, but I would also say that to every single woman is to just be exactly who you are and embrace that and, and move forward with courage because it's, it's hard to do the work that we do and it's hard to be a woman leader. And, you know, just like the kind of cliche term, I was always called the bossy kid. And I was, <laughs> I was bossy, <laughs> but I had to get some stuff done. And sometimes you need to tell people, other people what they need to do so we can all get stuff done together. So I think that that's what I would say. Thanks again to SA Youth President and CEO Asia Sheravino for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.